This week on Geek Explained, in the first part of our latest month-long series, I'm joined by book club co-host Malcolm Russell Nelson to discuss the best Miles Morales comics. Welcome to Ultimate June Vasion. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is the first installment of Ultimate June Vasion. This is our latest month-long series where, in celebration of the return of Earth 1610, the Ultimate Universe, I am dedicating the month of June to the Ultimate Universe. Uh, really excited. Each week we'll be tackling a different facet of that specific world, realm, line of comics. And this week I am joined by my book club co-host Malcolm Russell Nelson as we discuss the best Miles Morales comics. This is also kind of jointly in celebration of the release of Across the Spider-Verse, which as I am recording this, as I am recording this intro to the podcast, Podcast. I am about to go watch. Very, very excited. Delayed a little bit due to uh, different schedules with my fiance, but we are going to go watch this as I'm recording this very quickly. So I am really excited to share this discussion with you. Malcolm, you know him, you love him. If you tune in every single Friday for the Geek Explained Book Club, he has a wealth of insight and a love for this character. So it was great to sit down with him and talk about our favorite Miles Morales comics. We have also the latest wildcard weekly review. The Flash Season 9 has concluded, but I did want to do one more weekly review on the season slash maybe series finale of Ted lasso and of course we have this week's comics countdown where i'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week uh june is a really fun time i think it's pride month happy pride to everybody and there's just a ton of great stuff going on great video games to be looking forward to great comics great television shows we've got a ton of stuff in the pipeline uh, to look forward to i myself uh, i've recently been replaying the miles morales video game i've been having a ton of fun going back into that it's just it's just fun to web swing and that game specifically and we'll talk about it a little bit as we get into the episode is just a great game to go around and play through the story. You can get through it in maybe like three, four hours if you play just the story. And the story is phenomenal. And if that wasn't enough good spider content, we got the news this past week that Dan Slott is bringing back Superior Spider-Man! I don't know what the context is. I just know I will be turning up day one for that. Um, 
it's just you know how much I love Superior Spider-Man. It 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 probably is my favorite Spider-Man run, and it's just really cool to know that that's going to be coming back in some capacity. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, the first uh, run of Superior Spider-Man is incredible. The second run by Christos Gage, I would argue, is just as good and is horrendously slept on and should be talked about more. So I'm really excited to see where they're going with this, especially knowing that Doc Ock is running around and he's going to be popping up in the next issue of Amazing Spider-Man. And that Amazing Spider-Man book, oh boy, there is a lot going on there. So overall, though, really excited to talk about the stuff we're talking about this week. I love Miles. It's always a great time to sit down with Malcolm. I'm also really excited and kind of nervous to talk about Ted Lasso. I love that show with my whole heart and the um, the season finale slash series finale of that show still has me feeling feelings. So we'll be getting into that. And of course, I'm really stoked to be talking about all the comics we're going to be picking up this week. Uh, there's a bunch. The last couple of weeks have been, you know, fairly light. This one. Definitely not. So stay tuned for all of that after the jump. But for now, let's roll right on into this week's main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I and Malcolm Russell Nelson sit down to discuss the best Miles Morales comics. This is where we come from. Yeah, we did it. City on my back. I'm committed. This is where we come from. Yeah, we made it. Now the whole team celebrating. We like uh oh 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 that was the question posed by Marvel Comics in 2011, when a brand new web-slinger took on the mantle of Spider-Man after the demise of Peter Parker. And now here we are 12 years later on the precipice of Miles Morales continuing his cinematic dominance in theaters worldwide with Across the Spider-Verse, and he might also be dominating comic book shelves this summer, because if you are unaware, Ultimate Invasion will be hitting comic book stores this month as Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch bring the only remaining members of the Ultimate Universe back to where it all began on Earth 1610 in Ultimate Invasion, which means on the Geeksplain podcast, June is Ultimate Junevasion. This is the opening salvo. This is part one. This is our first chapter, our foray back into the world of 1610 in Ultimate Junevasion. And to celebrate the release of Across the Spider-Verse and Miles somehow being able to go home, we are going to be talking about the best Miles Morales stories in the comics with a little asterisk, just a tiny asterisk. It's not even noticeable right at the top. But I am joined, of course, by my co-pilot, my right-hand man, the only man who I would trust to bring me down if I chose to threaten the Spider-Verse. You love him. 
You need him. You can't live without him. My Geek Explained Book Club co-host, Malcolm Russell Nelson. Welcome to the Wednesday show, my boy. He's going home to the place that he belongs. Terror. You know that Miles is the best and the ultimate. He's not running from. No, I think you got me all wrong. You know he's got a web sling up and fly into the sky. He's but that's where he's going, where his mom died. Because he... he's going home. Big yikes. Malcolm, I You said love... sky. The only thing that rhymes with that is die. <laughs> that's not the only word that's that rhymes with no, it's sky. On you. <laughs> It has been too long since I've had you on the Wednesday show. Thank you for having me back. I love having you on, man. Um, If you are unaware somehow, uh, Malcolm, myself, and our good brother, Jacob Brown, every single Friday host the Geek Explained Book Club. And we actually just kicked off season four entitled The Brave and the Bold last Friday as of release. Yeah. And uh, we are hopscotching across the aisle from dc on the book club over here to marvel specifically ultimate marvel you can say we're also going home we're going home Home to a place where we belong chris daughtry does not uh sponsor this episode but But he could totally sponsor this episode (laughs) real motherfuckers know that bit and I appreciate that about you. You're so fucked up for that. Um, <laughs> it's great because I, it's great to be on this episode this week because it's the one I don't have to listen to. Yeah, because <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> I I love I love anytime we get to sit down and just just chop it up just yeah it's great man bullshit. Thank you for having me on for this Fast and Furious uh, Fast X review. I'm really excited because we're also going to be pairing up each Fast and Furious movie with a specific Miles Morales story. So buckle up because you're not prepared. We we could do that. We could do that. Let's do it. All right. Bet. (laughs) Bet. So we're, we're, you know what? We're going to make it happen. Um, Ultimate Invasion is the Hobbs and Shaw. Because it's taking two unlikely uh, characters and <laughs> playing them together. And reuniting them after the they had threat. incredible chemistry during Cataclysm. Yeah. And during where, Spider-Man. Yeah. And then they'll go home uh, where where one of the characters' families are uh, and have a big uh, big throwdown there. Yeah. With Roman it's Reigns. absolutely yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. Cliff Curtis um, will be there. <laughs> sure. Uh, I am... <laughs> I am really excited about this. Uh, Ultimate Invasion has been hyped to hell, especially because we know uh, Hickman and Hitch are going to be helming it. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what it is, and we don't know what it leads to. We We know that it's like a it's like a miniseries. Yeah, but we know nothing beyond that. Is this just like a last hurrah? Is this a victory lap? Is this the final goodbye? Is this a whole new can of worms being opened up, and we're going to see the Ultimate Universe, which? Let's I mean, hope. again, please, Geekstradamus talking last year, please, in yeah. our book club, we yeah, were like, we made this happen. We made this happen. Jonathan Hickman and 
when, when, when he, not if, when he comes on the pod, I'm really excited to listen to the Cerebro episode where yes. he'll finally address how much we influenced him on bringing the Ultimate Universe back. I still have an hour left in that episode, and I haven't <laughs> heard him say it yet. So you're, I you're need him to. You're probably getting up. there. You're probably getting there. Um, somebody's got to ask that question. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, last year we covered the entire Ultimate Spider-Man run from the beginning of Peter to the ends of Miles. Last and... year and the beginning of this year. Yeah, fuck, that's right, Jesus. Because we ended in like January, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and we just we we made this happen. We made Ultimate yeah. Invasion happen. Yeah. And I I am waiting for my check in the mail. Yeah. But. Marvel, I'm just going to let you know, you don't have to send me a check for that specifically. You can just put us on the ultimate Doctor Strange book and we won't have a problem. Listen, all I'm saying is that recently Pedro Pascal did confirm that he wasn't on set at all for Mandalorian season three and that it is purely just a voice role. And that's because he's out there being goddamn Sorcerer Supreme to the stars. He is. <laughs> he busy. My name is Stephen Strange, and I am the strangest man alive. To the outside world, I am Sorcerer to the stars. But secretly, I use my gifts to find other mages like me. And one day, I'll find the man who killed my father and bring him to justice. That day is today. That's the best one. That's the, the, the season finale when he said that day is today. Like, just, I, got I still get chills. I still get I, yeah, chills. Absolutely. This is this is this is the kind of energy if you don't listen to the book club, this is the kind of energy you get because we just go all over the place. Yeah, we do a few whippets beforehand. <laughs> just time to let it go. <laughs> But yeah, we are we're we're talking about Miles Morales. We're talking about his best comic book stories. But before we do that, I want to ask you, Malcolm, mm-hmm. how were you introduced to the Ultimate Universe, and what is your favorite Ultimate story? Okay, book specifically because I know Ultimate Spider Man is your favorite book out of that. Yeah, what is your favorite Ultimate story? Um. Okay. So how I was introduced to the Ultimate Universe, uh, I got in pretty early. Uh, it was one of the first comics that I read that I got immediately just suckered into. Um, it was 2001 or 2002. I went to the library and picked up uh, picked up some comics and saw Ultimate Spider-Man and said, oh, I kind of want to check this out. Uh, they just had like a few like floppy copies. Yeah. Uh, and the one that I grabbed was Ultimate Spider-Man 13, um, which if you haven't read Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man is saying what ha- what would happen if spider-man the character peter parker got his powers in the present day as opposed to in the 1960s so the present day being very, 2002 day being 2000 yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of m&m looking mothers but you know yeah. uh but you know uh issue 13 is a huge issue it's the end of the second arc and it's where peter reveals his identity as spider-man to mary jane his best friend um and that was it's it's that is my Great favorite issue comic story uh it's my favorite single issue of all time it's the single issue that said that made me say wow i want to read everything about this book and i had followed the series from there um oh, yeah. i it's it's my favorite comic about like that that's one issue changed my life i think it was very formative in how i write 
uh, there was a long time where I was a screenwriter in class and all that stuff. And like, it was very informative to how I write and how I view the world. It is the most important single issue to me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is my sauce. Uh, that's why I got it signed by Mark Bagley. Hey. <laughs> and one day I'll track down the man named Brian Michael Bendis and make him sign that comic make him book. Sign that comic? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love uh, to. I'd love to just have a two-hour conversation with Brian Michael Bendis because he's still my favorite comics writer. Like. He's just always going to be. He's the guy who got me into this. You know, he's in the top. Mm -hmm. He's in the top, even though he's made some egregious choices. And I I think he made one of the best choices. I am am still going to fight you on that forever. And it makes sense. It doesn't. The character is about truth. We're not here talking about his truth. We're not here to talk about (laughs) this. We're going to talk about Miles Morales. Um, So we're going to be talking about. about what, what, I mean, what got you into the ultimate universe and what's your favorite ultimate story? So it's funny because I remember very distinctly uh, remember. this one. This was probably had to be like 2004, 2005, maybe. I remember picking a, I was at a flea market and I remember, you know, seeing this character that I was really fond of. You might know oh. him, Captain America. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say his name is Cyclops. I was like, oh. That's, no, surprisingly. Um, but I saw him on the cover of this. It might not have been the cover, but I saw him on this magazine at a flea market. And I was like, oh, okay, that looks interesting. And I picked it up. We got it for a nickel. And it was oh, yeah. an issue of Wizard Magazine. Now, kids, yeah. Wizard Magazine Woo! used to be the spot for comic book news, comic book reviews, all of it. Wizard Magazine was glorious. It was the internet before the internet. Exactly. It was so good. And Wizard Magazine, this specific issue, was covering the the concept art and the announcement of a book called The Ultimates. This is where I saw the character designs for the first time. This is where I was introduced to the story. Um, This was... And they were like, this is a brand new thing that is happening. Again, this was pro this I don't remember exactly what issue this was or what like year specifically this was. Yeah. But this was an old wizard issue. It was an old wizard. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Like I'm super into this. Yeah. And so I, you know, I started seeking it out, couldn't find anything because I was a dumb kid who had no money. I was small and I had no money. So you can understand the kind of pressure I was in. I get it. But I was able to rent a movie from the ye old blockbuster called Ultimate Avengers. Ultimate Avengers, son of a bitch. <laughs> and that is what got me into the Ultimate Comics because this yeah. it told a, we'll say... A better version of the story. Whoa, that's your that's your hot take. Right now? It my, it's my hot take of the week. It's that's my hot take of the week. We're, we're, we're de- flash fact. Flash fact. That's your flash fact. Wow. Um, but yeah, that that is how I was introduced to it. As honestly as her favorite story, I mean, it's tough. I think, and I this might just be off the top of my head right now. I fucking love Cataclysm. 
I know it's a weird choice and not, That's and so I know wild. Malcolm doesn't feel that way. That's if so you want, you. listeners, you can go back to our <laughs> book club episode yeah. where we covered Cataclysm and I talked about how incredible that event is. That's so wild of you. There's one really good issue in there. <laughs> you say that, and then if you go back, listener, he was enjoying the whole ride when we were going through that episode. <laughs> you're a fake fan malcolm uh, i'm a phony oh. but yeah i i think i mean it's probably honestly in that ultimate spider-man run somewhere but off the top of my head i love cataclysm i think it's a wonderful event comic that felt big time in a it's not... sea of comics that no longer feel big time when events happen yeah that's very fair uh i'm surprised you didn't say it was the ultimate carnage story arc I know how much you love that. Listeners, uh, also go listen to that episode where Eric just has a breakdown. I, I had, <laughs> Eric, is, Eric is broken. I had a <laughs> mental breakdown during that episode. <laughs> then listen to like an episode like three weeks later where you reveal the nightmares he's literally having because of that story. <laughs> You could listen in real time, me getting me <laughs> falling in love with Ultimate Gwen Stacy. Her, and I, th- I think we could talk about spoilers here. Just yeah. blanket spoiler warning for all the stories we're going to cover here. Yeah, absolutely. But just me falling in love with that character, her being just unceremoniously killed during this Ultimate Carnage story, me absolutely losing it during the episode. Um, including me swearing that I would gain vengeance upon Brian Michael Bendis someday. I did the full, <laughs> I did the full cover speech that, that was, yeah. gives during the death of Gwen Stacy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's the promise in the rain, <laughs> swearing up to disguise. I will have my vengeance. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think it was like two weeks later, me just having nightmares about yeah. that Gwen <laughs> Stacy carnage. I. And then, like, two weeks later, we get the Ultimate Clone Saga where we get Gwen, like, Carnage Face Gwen. <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man's the fucking best book. It's so good. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> and and since then, all Malcolm has to do is say Gwen Face, and it immediately <laughs> forces my body to contort and recoil. Like, I can't... Like those words just do not work for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, if you if you are interested, we did the whole whole saga last year. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, we did. Baby. Go check that out. Uh, me reading it for the very first time, and Jacob and Malcolm getting to uh, getting to walk me through the future of global espionage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I've seen that future. <laughs> And I believe Miles is a part of it. It's <laughs> uh, so already spoiled across the Spider-Verse for you, huh? No! No spoilers! How uh, wild would it be if that's how that movie If happened? that's how it fucking Cable, the cable walks out in the post credit scene, he's like, look, I've seen the future of multiversal espionage. And I believe that you're I believe your son is it. the key. <laughs> and I believe your child is the key. And then it pans over and it's Peter B. Parker with Mayday. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, as we were recording this too, Malcolm has literally just walked out of 
yeah. across the not that he walked out of the movie but like he just yeah. watched it yeah, yeah. i just so, watched it uh malcolm in two sentences or less spoiler free your thoughts on the film um i think it is a near perfect movie i'm a tough critic on the first one because of personal baggage uh, I think that this is a near perfect movie. I think it's probably going to get a five star from me. Um, it would be on my list. If we could talk about it more in depth, it would be on this list. And if you would like us to do a more in-depth spoiler talk, I am down. I haven't seen the movie yet as we're yeah. recording this. And I'm waiting with bated breath to get into that theater. We we might have to do that once once Jacob's seen it too. We might have to. Yeah, just to sit That's down. That's not a bad idea. Little uh little callback to season two of the of the book. Yeah. Club. That's that's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. But with all of that said, we've got a list. We've got the best Miles Morales stories. Um Malcolm brought in three. I brought in four because I'm extra. And <laughs> We're going to talk about them. We're going to hopscotch back and forth talking about the talking about the stories. We haven't discussed what's on each other's lists. No. So if there is crossover, there's crossover. But yeah, that just gives us more room to talk about more stories. Exactly. So I'll go first, then Malcolm will go and we'll go back and forth until our Please. list is done. But the first book that I want to talk about is Spider-Man. Spider-Man from 2013 or 2014, depending on whenever now is on the sliding Marvel time scale. Mm. This took place in issues one through five of the Spider-Man miniseries, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Sarah Pacelli, Pacelli Cinderella. And this was the very first meeting between Miles Morales and Peter Parker. And for my money is a near perfect story. You're talking about Across yeah. the Spider-Verse being a near perfect film. This is a near perfect comic book story because you don't necessarily need context for this, no. right? This this is very easily, if all you know about Peter Parker is that he's the Spider-Man, all you have to know is that, oh, he goes to a world where he died and he has a successor and his name is Miles Morales and everyone is super bugged out that Peter Parker is here now. So it's a wonderful story that I think really delves into why Miles Morales works as a character and why legacy is important. Peter goes and gets trapped in the Ultimate Universe, meets Miles. This is a post-Peter Parker world. Um that has gotten used to him being dead and peter has to now just kind of crash into everybody's lives who saw the younger version of himself on this earth die and now get to see this this grown man running around in his little spidey onesie and they're like that is the dream this is who our boy could have been um the the stuff that people love about into the spider-verse got a lot of its inception here in this story not saying like oh this is derivative or whatever but some of my favorite moments from into the spider-verse reference stuff that happened in this book the peter parker and aunt may meeting on the doorstep oh yeah never ceases to bring a tear to my eye i fucking love that interaction um him meeting all of the people 
getting to know everybody. Mysterio being the villain of the whole thing and us getting the big payoff to Ultimate Mysterio, which I'm still kind of bitter about, but it's Don't a be good bitter, reveal. It's, good. it's a good reveal, but it's, <laughs> it's not so what I good. wanted. Um, but I really dig this story. And again, it's the story where Miles finally gets to have that that torch passing moment that he never got to have with his world's Peter. And I dig the shit out of that. It's a really good story. The art is stellar. Um, bringing in that specific team of Bendis and Pacelli, Pacelli, Cinderella, like she is next level. And you can tell how much she cares about drawing Miles. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, it's a wonderful story. What do you, how do you feel? I, I agree. Um, there's such an interesting, like, soft nature that she brings to drawing Miles. Like, yeah. he looks, so, he always looks like such a soft little boy when she draws him, which I think is just, like, really <laughs> sweet. You know, she like, is he's someone just, who knows to, how to draw kids. Uh, 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 unlike me, I agree. Unlike, um, you know. Me, I agree. John uh, don't, don't, don't. Mm, mm, mm. You're, you're, you're being New York phobic right now. Uh, <laughs> I am on the West Coast. Treasure. I am in LA. He's a treasure. He's a, he's a goddamn treasure. Uh, yeah, I, I, Spider Man was very close to being on my list. Very, very close to being on my list. Um, sure. Because, yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's pretty much a perfect story. Um, I, there's not many stories uh, where Peter, or I'm sorry, where Miles really gets to have the full impact of Peter, like, and what, how Peter is, you know, like, this is sure the first meeting. And then like, other than that, I think like Ultimate Comic Spider-Man 200 is a really good look for Miles at like what yeah, Peter meant to people. For sure. Um, which I think is wonderful. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was almost on my list. I think of that story a little bit more as a Peter story. And that's the only reason I that's, didn't put it on my list. Because I think there's so many specific moments of Peter is the stranger in this world. It's happening in Miles' world. Right. But Peter is, you know, the one who, he's the fish out of water. That's you know? fair. So I, I think of it just a little bit more as a Peter story. Um, but so that's the only reason it didn't make my list. But I, I think it's it's so stellar. What a great comic that is. Hell yeah. All right, so what is what is your first pick? Uh, my first pick uh, isn't a comic. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love so, it. I love it. So this is where that little asterisk comes in. Uh, <laughs> my first pick is the Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales video game. Nice. Uh, from 2021. Yes. Uh, is it 2020? No, 2020. It's from 2020, um, which I think is just an excellent adaptation of so good. that character and that world. Uh, Miles first shows up in the Marvel's Spider-Man game uh, from 2018, Hell an excellent yeah. game. Uh, this picks up after that. He gets bit by the spider in that game and it, this picks up after that, uh, where Peter is going <laughs> across the world with <laughs> Mary Jane on a vacation slash uh, reporting gig. Uh, which is pretty cool. Quote and unquote. so, yeah, quote unquote, you know what that means. <laughs> uh, and so Miles is kind of taking over as being the Spider-Man. Um, but it's, 
there, there's so much to this game that yeah. there is to love. Uh, first off, just the environment is such a different kind of environment, you know. Um, I love superhero stories in the winter. Holy shit, superhero stories in the winter, you can't go wrong. Um, uh, I, I'm blanking on her name, uh, I think it's Haley. Is that the uh, the the deaf girl? Who, I think so. I think you're right. Like yeah. who like Spider Man kind of becomes I was, I was friends with. I was gonna and bring that up. I I love that relationship, uh, and it's such a subtle relationship in that game. But I think it's so genuine and so sweet and so earnest. Um, I think just like all the relationships in the game are fantastic. I think Genki is wonderful in the yeah, game. Uh, great support. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Finn. Uh, which yes. I, if you haven't, if you haven't played Great. the game, I don't want to spoil the game. Yeah, but we'll, we'll put Finn a more term is, on the game. Finn Great is character. one of the best characters for Miles. Yep. Just across any of his canons. I think the treatment for that character was absolutely genius. Uh, Jessica Savoy Brown, who's an actress that I really like in general. Um, yeah. I think she's wonderful. Uh, crushes it in this game. Crushes it. Uh, and... Uh, I mean, every everyone's wonderful, uh, but this all boils down to being a Miles story, and this is where Miles in the game verse, in the Insomniac game verse, yeah. really earns his bones and really becomes Spider-Man, um, oh, yeah. and really starts to become a very different kind of Spider-Man, which I I think is really great. Um, it Ned Naji Parker or Naji Jeter, sorry, Naji uh, Jeter is the voice actor for Miles in the games. He's also kind of just been. I think other than Shamik Moore, the only person to really voice Miles Morales. Yeah. The, the only other <laughs> person he does it is in like, uh, Donald Glover. And Donald Glover, yeah. Did it once. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like he 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 does him across like multiple different mediums and everything. And that's my favorite voice for Miles. Um yep. easily. I, I think he he does such a fantastic job. Uh and there's the game gets very emotional. Um, there is a yes, lot of emotion in that game. Woof. And I think he carries that emotion so well. Um, it truly feels like a 16-year-old kid who is really discovering who he is in the world, but is also a little lost. Yep. Um, there's, you know, the, the end of the second act leading into the third act of a story, you know, is always the bit where you know the hero is in the darkest point and then has to rise out of that point and i i felt that so hard in playing uh it, it really brought me to a it's place so good. It's, it's due to his performance um i think that game pays such an amazing respect to rio uh uh rio morales a fan favorite of ours um yep. and i i love the interpretation of her in the game uh running for office and you know just being all around badass but also just being so supportive um it, it's it's great it's such a great experience playing that game i'm i might after we're done with this i, I genuinely might go and play some <laughs> same i might go turn same. that on and go play some just swing around for a bit because I, I i think they just nail it so hard um and mm. just what what he means to his environment and also uh, just like the, the swinging mechanics you brought that up oh, so perfect such so, an improvement over the first game and i think the first game does such a great job with it great job but it does a great job with it from a peter perspective yeah this feels like someone else entirely like it just the body language of this game is so perfect for someone else who's not peter parker would you say uh, a young the body, would you say the body language gives off the swagger yeah 
Okay. Yeah. It gives off the swagger. He's got those moves like Jagger. You know? Yeah. Uh yeah, I I love that game, man. I really I love do. it. It's it's such a good the performances are phenomenal. Also, I met Naji Jeter last year. Super That's right, you dude. did. I'm so jealous. Really, really cool dude Fuck. who gave me some uh some kind words of encouragement for my own voice acting stuff. Um yeah, the game rules. And it's it's such a rules. quick play too, which is why like I think both of us are like, maybe we should play it again today. Yeah. Like if you don't do any side quest stuff, you can beat that oh, game in like two and a half done. hours. Yeah, uh, pretty immediately. I did all the side quest stuff. So. I did too, but it was still <laughs> like, only like eight hours. No, like, it took me I took a long ass time doing <laughs> it. I, I was I was in that thing for a long time. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's a great game, a great uh, expansion on the original concept and helped to satiate our appetites until, you know, Spider-Man two drops this year. Uh, Really stoked. Really, really really stoked. stoked. Oh, I have no more trophies to get in it. So I could just go around and mess around. Sweet. I forgot that I planted that. Hell yeah. Good for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's just such a solid game and a great interpretation of that character. The suits in there are fantastic. Um, Oh, it gives me my dream. My dream suit, that purple rain suit. The Prowler suit, yeah. The Prowler suit, because I just want Miles to be the Prowler at this point. And the Prowler in the game the is very stuff. good as well. Yeah, yeah. Really good the, stuff. The game is a really good blend of, like, the comics treatment for Miles and also Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Like, I think it's very Into the Spider-Verse friendly. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, the, the Prowler treatment is wonderful. And he looks so freaking awesome. So cool. <laughs> he so looks cool. so cool. <laughs> yeah, I I I love that game. That that's a great pick. And you know what? I am I am totally okay with having that on there, even if even if it's not a comic and it doesn't go by the bylaws of the I'm sorry. I no, I, I no, I love that game. It's so good. Yeah. Well deserved yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um next up I have Revival from 2015. This was Ultimate Comet or Ultimate Spider-Man number two hundred and Miles Morales: The Ultimate Spider-Man number one through five, uh, yeah. by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Dave Marquez, and in this story, Peter Parker returns. Yeah. Um, after being dead, Petey Boy is back, and Miles now has to deal with that. <laughs> this is post Spider-Man, so Miles mm-hmm. has gotten the blessing. He's got his shield web shooters and he is ha- having a grand old time. Yeah. And Peter all of a sudden drops back at the same time that Norman Osborn does. And it's just really cool. This is the culmination I think of that character. Yes. Of Miles finally being able to be put in the situation that Peter was in and failed to finish the job and is able to absolutely body the green goblin which in the ultimate universe is not easy because he it's is a giant no etrigan hulk like yeah. i i love this story not just because you get some incredible action the dave marquez art is mint uh i i mean come on it is yeah. it is a quintessential miles morales story being able to step into that role of being the spider-man there's that bit where miles where everyone's in the house and miles goes to confront 
uh, Norman and starts beating the shit out of Norman. And Absolutely. everyone in the house, Peter included, is looking like, and is like, wow. Whoa. This kid. Like, like he's good. He's good. Like, he's way better than I ever was. Like, and it's awesome. And then the two, you know, you get you get superhero punch, double punch in the face. The like, double punch. Like, it, it rules. It's a great story. And it also, it does that subversion of expectations with Miles, who is immediately like, okay, in, in any other story like this, it's like, okay, the hero who died is back. They're now going to be resuming their role as this character. And the new person who has taken up this role is going to step aside and it's going to be fine. Miles does not want to give up being Spider-Man, which is incredible. And we never see stuff like that anymore. Yeah. This is like if at the conclusion of Secret Empire, Steve comes back and Sam's like, I'm not going to stop being Captain America. Like you could take a hike. have been? Yeah, how it should have been. How it should have been. And on top of that, again, it's Peter going, no, he's good. He's got this. Yeah. I can go off and do my own thing, which I love that ending. I, I know when we talked about yeah. it, it was frustrating for you. Mileage can vary, <laughs> uh, no pun intended, just because yeah. I think the death of that character of Peter Parker is such a great ending for that character that yeah. this kind of agree. can feel tacked on. Yeah. But as a drive off into the sunset for them so that we can now focus 100% without any expectations of anything else yeah. on Miles. It's a it's an That's easy all-timer. That's the thing. It makes Miles free, you know. Yeah. There's there's no expectation. He knows he now knows he's better and that yep. he is the only Spider-Man and there's no question about it ever again, which is Hell wonderful. Yeah. Until a year later after Secret Wars and he comes to the 616 and it ruins everything. Anyway, <laughs> big yikes. Big yikes. Um, but yeah, that that is that is my pick there. Um, Great pick. Thanks, man. That was also close to being on my list. Uh, okay, so no crossover so far. This is nice. No crossover so far. But yours is... Uh, so I like to think of that. Revival is the third part of a three-part story yeah. for me. Uh, which my next pick is the second part of that three-part story. Uh which is gonna sound a little hypocritical here, but it's Cataclysm colon yes! Ultimate Spider-Man. Colon yes! Ultimate Spider-Man. Because it's not the main Cataclysm, Cataclysm! story. But the Ultimate Spider-Man 3 issue tie-in miniseries. <laughs> Cataclysm which is perfect. No, no, it's just the three the Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man miniseries. It's so perfect. It's so You're perfect. right. Cataclysm is so perfect. <laughs> So this is uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Dave Marquez uh, continuing on from the end of Ultimate Comics Spider-Man Volume 2. Uh, this story is during the events of Cataclysm. Galactus has landed, is destroying everything. And Miles and his supporting cast, now including Cloak and Dagger, and Jessica, Drew, and uh, his dad and everybody, they all got to figure out what's going on and how they can survive. Because yep. it's just end of the world scenario. But the reason this story is on my list is because of what happens in issue two and issue three. Where Spider-Man comes home to make sure that his dad is okay. Yeah. And unmasks. And Ugh. 
that's the cliffhanger of issue two. And then issue three, you get the payoff of that, where Jefferson is furious. Furious and upset and, like, unhappy. And slaps Miles and takes off. And you don't see him again for a while. <laughs> for a it, while. It's one of the... It is one of the most upsetting things that I've ever read in a comic book. Like that is that that when that when I first read that that hit me like a brick. Yeah. Like it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe I was reading that in a in a Marvel superhero comic that the parent just left. Like <laughs> just used yep. the opportunity of chaos to leave and not come back. Is kind of insane. Um, it's it, but it's. It, it all comes down just the characterization. I think just the characterization of yeah. even Jefferson in that moment. I think that's such a strong character moment. Uh, you know, negative or not, you know, it's it's a strong character moment. That's a wild reaction. But this is this three issue mini is just Miles being the superhero. You know, Miles is in his element. He just started being Spider Man again. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, maybe. Mm. Maybe. Uh, you know, just started being Spider-Man again and is, you know, in, in his element, but is in prime. I need to save people mode. I don't know what's going on, but there's a giant purple thing that just ate Jersey. I need to yeah. save people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I I think that's that's terrific. That's where Spider-Man is at home, you know, in the yeah. I need to save people mode. Uh, it, it's a wonderful story. Wonderful story. High stakes on the emotional level. Uh, just fantastic. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I've, I mean, we just got done talking about how perfect Cataclysm is. I love that event. And <laughs> this does a really great job of doing the best thing about huge event comics is that while all the cosmic bullshit is going on, there's also interpersonal, intimate human stories happening. And I mean, yeah, the, the reveal to uh, Jefferson abandoning him to all of the other characters having to deal with the end of the world and how that's affecting them. Like, it's a, it's a phenomenal story. Really, really great pick. Really great pick. Yeah. So I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention... Who is Miles Morales from 2011? Fair. Ultimate Comics Fallout number four, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number one through five, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Sarah Pacelli, Pacelli Cinderelli. This is the origin, the origin of Miles Morales. And I love this story. It's great. It's one of the best hero origins that we've had in the last 25 years. And... There is a reason why Miles has stuck around and why he's been the most successful legacy character created in the modern era. Like, him coming into the role of Spider-Man after the death of uh, Peter Parker, having his Uncle Ben analog, Uncle Aaron be the Prowler, all of the stuff that happens with that, um, him immediately being kind of thrust into this situation, fighting our boy, the kangaroo. Like, it's a wonderful origin for this character. And Bendis, to his credit, did not need to do this. 
did not need to introduce this new character because ultimate Peter was doing great. Ultimate Peter survived the ultimatum wave, which we will not be talking about here. Nope. And he was doing his thing, but Bendis wanted to introduce this new character and decided to kill his baby, Ultimate Peter Parker, with his Jamie Tart haircut and <laughs> introduce this whole season. <laughs> this whole season, think. it's all I can think. This I did whole season, not, that's all I can think. <laughs> and I didn't have that thought until you brought it up to me, and now I couldn't. And now you can't it. unsee it. it nope. That's all it is. That's all it is. Uh, but it's such a great introduction to the character and a reintroduction to the world because now you have the context and the um and the dramatic irony of knowing more about the world than miles does and so when he gets into situations when he meets people when he goes up against villains you have this cross between expectation due to what you are you know familiar with peter being capable of and you are also there's a little bit of trepidation because you don't know if this kid is gonna hang and i kind of love the idea of that and i think it's a really wonderful way to tell that story and to give us this incredible beginning this incredible you know start of the journey the hero's journey uh it's it's a wonderful story and i think it's again one of the best origins we've gotten in quite some time i would agree there's it's so great at subverting expectation yeah you know the the miles hopping on the ceiling moment mirroring the peter yes. hopping on the ceiling moment but Ugh. whereas peter is thrilled miles and me is oh no yeah. <laughs> like it's it's wonderful like it it does that so elegantly it's a great story the first time we see his camouflage like yeah oh so good Great story. Uh, so this is it. This is my number one. This is the one. And I kind of feel like I know what you're going to pick. But do you? What do you? What do you think it is? It, it's your pick. And I want, I want you to be the one to unveil it. There's only one place I could go. And it's Spider-Man No Mo. Yes. Okay. So this is also my number one pick. Hell yes. Hell so we're we yes. are of the same mind here. Hell yes, because it's the best Miles Morales story. It's the best. It might be one of, if not the best, Ultimate Spider-Man stories. It it, it is dangerously close to being the best Ultimate Spider-Man. Dangerously story. Not, close. If if not like you know at least it, it's at least top two. I don't know what the other one is, but yeah. it's at least top two. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It is the best story. It's so perfect. It's right after. So this is Ultimate Comics Spider-Man Volume 2 issues 23 through 28, Hell. Uh, which is the first part of this three part like story of <sighs> so Spider-Man No More, Cataclysm and then Revival. Yep. Like that three. Like if you read all of that, you have a perfectly formed idea Everything. of who Miles Morales is and what that character is like. That, yep. That's all you need. That's the mission statement. Exactly. Um, but this is after. So the story before this is Venom War. Venom War, where Venom. Miles faces off against Venom for the first time, uh, and it's terrible and horrible, and ends with his mom dying, uh, which is very upsetting. Remember how upset we were about that? We were all incredibly. Again, go back in the archives, check out that book club <laughs> episode. We were all very upset. Very upset about that. Very upsetty spaghetti. Um, 
And then you open up issue 23 and it hits you with a one year later. <sighs> the say, balls. What? One year later, huh? And you find out that Miles hasn't been Spider-Man for a year. He hung it up. His dad is recovering from this from this venom attack. He now has a limp. Uh, he he's doing the uh, the what I like to call the Ben Cisco, uh, where he used to be. Uh, <laughs> he used to have hair uh, on the top of his head and no hair on the bottom of his head. Uh, and now he has hair on the bottom of his head, nice beard, and he has no hair on the top of his head. Uh, that's a perfect Ben Cisco. Um, <laughs> yeah, looking hot. <laughs> Jefferson looking, looking hot. hot. Uh, Miles is now older. He's you know been focused on school. Everyone in his life has been trying to. Well, I say everyone in his life. Genki has been trying to get him back on the horse, yeah. and Jessica Drew has been trying to get him back on the horse. Hey Jessica, Jessica Drew, who the the Deuter the co-protagonist of the story. Yeah, the co-protagonist of the book uh, of the series, um, who has had a fraught relationship with Miles uh, the entire book, but has clearly spent the last year trying to get him back in the game, trying to get him to shake out of it. Yeah. Uh, I am usually frustrated by Spider-Man No More stories because it seems to happen yeah. a lot. Genuinely just seems to happen a lot. Yeah. And listen, as a person who is always depressed, I get it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I absolutely get it. You know it. what? Same. <laughs> right? Like, I feel like that's pretty relatable, but it happens a lot. This is the best one because this one comes from a place where I completely understand. It makes complete sense. Uh, but also the journey to come back is so good. Uh, it's, it's Miles realizing that he almost has this primal need to be Spider-Man. It's not, it's not just a sense of responsibility. It's truly who he is and who he wants to be. And it's what makes him a better person. There is that the end of one of the issues of him looking at like, you know, the suit and it does like the to be continued thing blocking and shit. Like it's, it's terrific. He, he, this is, this is, Miles becoming Spider-Man truly for the first yeah. time, really embracing that he is Spider-Man. Uh, this is the introduction to Ultimate Cloak and Dagger, who also whip. Uh, this is the end of the Roxxong conflict uh, that has been brewing in Ultimate Spider-Man since the Peter days. Yeah. Uh, this is the introduction to Ultimate Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Is that correct? Is that I that's so. in this right? Yeah, I can't yeah. remember if that's in this or if that's later now. I'll, I'll look it up. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great story. And it ends with this perfect moment in issue 28 where, you know, Miles goes yeah. back to... This is where he first shows up. It is, right? Okay, cool. And twi- that's what I thought. Okay, perfect. Uh, oh, an incredible take on that character. Great fucking <laughs> take on like, that character. I think the best take on Taskmaster. Like, he this kind should of be on. the MCU Taskmaster. Yeah, should have been. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Olga Korolenko. Uh, <laughs> no hate to Olga Korolenko. No hate great. to Olga Korolenko. It's not her fault. It's just not a good choice for a character. Um, it all culminates in this moment in issue 28 when after all the conflict and everything, Miles goes back to the dorm and Genki's there and Genki's like, how you doing? He's like, hey, you're right. He's like, yeah, I feel good. I am. And you get this full page spread of Miles standing there in the costume saying, I am Spider-Man. And it's 
it's the best moment. It's that's when the music swells. Yeah, that's when you get the Giacchino scores swells and the tears in my eyes swell. It's the best. It's the best Miles Morales story. Yeah, it's him getting back on the bike and realizing that he doesn't need the training wheels anymore. Yep, it's perfect. 100%. And it's. I I love it because yeah again it is my number one as well and I had no so context glad. for this story coming into the book club last year because I'd never yeah. read it and I distinctly remember falling head over heels for this story because I I looked at the Venom story which is also very good the Venom which War is story is very story. very good. And if you want like a terrifying symbiote story that involves Miles Morales, maybe in the uh, in the anticipation of this year's Spider-Man 2. Yo, like that's the story you read. It's four issues and it is hardcore. It's so good. But in the aftermath of that, it's like, okay, we get the whole, you know, Spider-Man no more thing. Miles rips up the costume. Boom. One year later. Yeah. Never, 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 never. And we, <laughs> <laughs> and we get to see this one year later, which again, the balls. The balls to be that. like, yeah, it's just a year later. Balls. And he's he's like you said, he got off the bike, and everyone is like, you need to be you are Spider-Man. Like I recognize that. All of this was kind of thrust upon you, but you are Spider-Man and we need you. And his, it's that classic, you know, rejecting the journey when it comes to the hero's journey. And again, him choosing to be Spider-Man. This is the most important choice that Miles Morales makes in the entire history of that character because everything was thrust upon him. He did not choose to get bit by the spider. He did not choose to have an uncle who was the prowler. He did not choose to become Spider-Man after Peter Parker died. He did not choose to have all of these things happen. Spider-Man as a role was thrust upon him. It's that whole, you know, some were born with greatness, some work for it, some were thrust upon them. And this is the story where he chooses to be Spider-Man. It is not who I am, it's who I choose to be. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. It's incredible. And you get to see him deal with his grief. You get to see him process grief, which is not as common a story as it should be. It's becoming more common, yep. which is fantastic. It is becoming more common, but, but it should be still way more common than it is. Way more common Especially than it is. Especially in superhero comics. Where everyone is constantly dying. Yeah. And we get to see also the focus on his supporting cast. Cloak and Dagger get a little bit here and Ultimate Cloak and Dagger rule. They're They're so good. And I also want to highlight, as we talked about, the the co-protagonist of the entire Ultimate Spider-Man series, Jessica Drew. Jessica Drew! Ultimate Jessica Drew is a character that I did not know I was going to fall in love with before reading that book but she is such a dynamic character yeah she is so she has so much heart she has so much depth she has so much dimension that she could have easily led this spider-man book that's the thing and 
it's this beautiful kind of cosmic kismet where we get to see the two characters who have inherited Peter Parker's legacy get to stand on their own. Because mm-hmm. we don't just get Miles saying, I am Spider-Man. This is also the story where Jess gets to say, I am Jessica I Drew. I am Jessica Drew. Yeah. Which really... It's... Yeah. It's so good. It's so satisfying. It's incredibly satisfying. And I don't yeah. want to make this a big thing because it's Pride Month or anything. But with a character who has been written more or less transcoded... Yeah. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. She's the best. She's she is best. truly just the best. She's the best. And I am counting the minutes until Ultimate Invasion drops to see if she pops up again because she needs to That's, be in this book. Eric, I just want to live in a world where the Ultimate Universe comes back and we have two fucking Spider-Man books. <laughs> One is Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, and the other is Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman. That's all I fucking want. <laughs> That's all I want. And I don't think it's so hard. I don't think it's hard either. And I don't think maybe, it's so goddamn hard. Maybe in this new post-Hickman uh, Ultimate Universe, we'll be able to see it. I'm also still hopefully pulling figure Again, I haven't seen it yet. Fingers crossed that she pops up and across the Spider-Verse. If she is even referenced in that film, I'm going to cry. Because that character as a just as a a beacon of light in these stories that get incredibly dark i mean she she's easily a top 25 character for me of all time when it comes to superhero comics she might be higher for me i i I, and i didn't realize it until rereading the book and i was like oh my god i truly do love this character yeah she's She's incredible absolutely incredible (laughs) she's amazing and and they get to run up against roxon who is this yeah overarching problem not the good kind for the the entire book and they get to solve that they get to solve that and it's and it's perfect revenge for her because roxon is behind her creation yep it's perfect revenge for miles because roxon is where the spider was going like perfect revenge for cloak and dagger who were dagger who again were also created by roxon yeah it is it's such a great catharsis. conclusion to that series. Yep. Like, it, it is a truly perfect conclusion to that series before everything goes to shit with Cataclysm. Yeah. Like, because, and I mean, the brilliance of it, you know, and knowing that Cataclysm is coming right after is the literal last page of that, of that is, last issue is them looking up in the sky and seeing it Galactus the, coming down and being like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Like yeah. After they're all like finally together and they're all a team. Like, we did Miles it. Miles now has a team. He has a support family. You know, like it's it's great. It's yeah. great. It's it's such a good story and it's, it's such a good story. It's if you haven't read it, like just look up Spider-Man No More for Miles Morales. Again, uh Ultimate Comics Spider-Man Ultimate issues Spider-Man. 23 through 28. It is yeah. seminal and it is required yeah. reading if you are a fan is, of Miles Morales. It is important. It is very important. But that said, I think the entire Ultimate Comics Spider-Man set like this yeah. volume is entirely worth it because a yeah. couple stories before that you get the excellent prowler stuff yes and i think like that if we're doing like honorable mentions at all that's an honorable mention right there yeah that prowler story and how that all resolves and you Oof. know miles thinking that you are he, like me. you know did Oof. yeah the you are like me and uh. you know we're, i mean fantastic 
you know, even yeah. even the divided we fall, united we stand tie-ins. Hell you know, yeah! I think have some where really Miles gets chased by a very large woman. Yeah, where Miles becomes an ultimate, you know, an honorary yeah. ultimate, and realizes, oh, I might actually be in over my head here. Like yeah. this, this is kind of really big. I'm now drafted in a literal civil war. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of huge. You know, I, the whole volume is just wonderful. I, re, I truly miss miles being in the ultimate universe. Yeah, I miss same. it so much. Same. Not, not just because, and if you listen to, you know, the, the, the book club, I went on this rant, I think a few times, but like miles <laughs> meant something in the ultimate universe. Yeah. You know, like that character was the only Spider-Man. Yeah. And now because of the Spider-Verse and because of him being in 616, like he is just one of 55,000, you know, and that's not special. He's not special anymore. Yeah. He used to be special. And when they try to make him special now, it's giving him really dumb electric sword abilities and shit like that. It it sucks. Like (laughs) That being said, you know, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about honorable mentions might be an unpopular opinion. The clone saga. I think that Miles' Clone Saga is actually very solid. Really? It is a four-issue story uh, by Saladin Ahmed, who is Malcolm's favorite writer. Mm. But it's also got art by Carmen Carnero. who It does have art by Carmen Carnero, who we love. (laughs) Absolutely gushing about ever since we got onto the, uh, the cat books. It's a really solid story for four issues. Like, I think it's it's not something I would put on the list, but it's definitely an honorable mention for sure. Because they took that idea and ran with it. I think Salim is actually a really interesting character. I know Malcolm's shaking his head. He's he's not a fan. Not a fan of that. He's not a fan of that. Run. But it's okay. I'm just, I get it. I'm just not a fan of that run. That run, I just can't fuck with. And that's I fine. That's it. totally fine. But I would say if you take anything from this list, from this episode, read Spider-Man No More. It is such a great yeah. story. I mean, read all of these. and also Read all the of these. Game. But if you're going to do two, if you're just going to do two, do Spider-Man No More and do Spider-Man. Yeah. And I know that's lower on the list, but it's so formative. It's so important. Yeah. I, yeah, do those two. Those two books are great. Oof. So as we're wrapping up here, um, since as we're recording this ultimate invasion, hasn't, uh, hasn't dropped yet. You have any, uh, you have any wish list things you want to see come from ultimate invasion? I want the ultimate universe to come back fully. I want it to be not a full line, but I want it to get the Krakoa treatment. Nice. Um, yeah, I like I, that idea. I think Hickman, you know, Hickman was a shepherd of the Ultimate Universe before, and I think that he should do it again. Um, I think it's totally fitting that he he's there. And I'll be honest with you, I would love it if we got some of the previous Ultimate creators back as well. If some this is them, where, yeah. like, if, if this is where Bendis comes back to Marvel, like, I'd be Ooh, okay. Oh, you think? I'd be okay with that. I I think he hasn't really been. He hasn't been himself since since uh since he got since, onto the DC comics. Yeah, I agree. Ultimate changeovers since a few ultimate changeovers ago. Like that's he, fair. There, there was a shift there. That's fair. Uh, and I I think he might find himself back at home with that. Um, Reunited with yeah. Marquez. Fuck. 
fuck i god god damn that'd be so good ah <laughs> ah uh, uh, just give me a, even if it's not a miles morales and a jessica drew book just give me like a spider's book or it's just yeah yeah ultimate spider i just Called want spider, i just, just want to be able to pick up a monthly title that has jess in it yeah that's all i yeah. want and Jessica Drew as Spider-Woman, not as Black Widow, because that was boring no, and No, that was, yeah, that, that was unnecessary. Dumb. And a much <laughs> worse so costume, dumb. too. And a much worse costume, making her look like Ju- uh, Julia Carpenter. That yeah. sucks. Um, so, yeah, I would love that. I would love a new, like, Ultimates book. Uh, you yeah. know, I would love, I would love a continuation of a little bit of the continuity where, like, Steve Rock. Steve Rogers is Quote dead um, and bring in John Walker and have John Walker be a good guy. John Walker. Like have him actually be like what Steve Rogers is in the 616. Yeah. I think that'd be interesting. You know, um, that idea. like bring over some of that continuity stuff. Give Iron Man back the big clunky armor. Give him the big clunky Mega Man armor. That's the best Iron Man suit. <laughs> Ooh, hot take. Okay. I, I think that's my favorite Iron Man suit like of all time. I love it so much. He looks like a space <laughs> shuttle. He and t- that's cool. <laughs> like that's so cool. He looks like a space shuttle. He like, looks like a little Gundam. He looks like a Megazord. Yeah. Like he, he looks like the Astro Megazord. Oh my god, he does. Dead ass. He looks like oh the Astro god, Megazord. He does. And it's cool. Is that it's why I cool. like it? Is that, that why I like, like his it. armor? Shit. That might be why we like it. Um, and also give me new characters that like we haven't seen in the Ultimate Universe, like at all. Like uh, know, like Ultimate can... Doctor Strange. <laughs> uh give me honestly, especially given you know recent events, let's let's do an ultimate Kamala Khan. Yeah. Dude, okay. We gonna what go if? off? We gonna pop off right now? What? Let's let's, let's talk about this for a second. We, we, I I, I don't want off. this to become that podcast. No, but let's pop off. If they, because we've been talking about, obviously, I think at this point, even if you're not reading comics, you know this. You know what happened? Yeah. Kamala Khan was recently killed in issue 26 of Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. And everyone and their mother is already talking about, oh, well, she's just going to come back as a mutant on Krakoa. And I'm like, oh, that's boring as fuck. That's boring as fuck. What if they did that to have Ultimate Kamala Khan? Who is already like a mutant? That's fine. Totally fine. Totally fine. Has the glowy stupid powers? Fine. Totally fine. I disagree on the glowy stupid powers, but. I like, I don't want them, but if that's how you're going to do it, fine. Fine. Just as long as we get another Kamala. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, it's interesting too, because it's like a lot of Bendis's stuff um, has kind of been kind of folded in like a Riri. Yes. And obviously Riri showing up at the end of ultimate end. Yeah. yeah. Obviously Kamala is not a Bendis creation, obviously. Right. Right. uh, But she does feel very much of that ilk. Like it would not be, out of character to see her in the ultimate spider-man book no especially given her relationship with miles yeah and i think i Which think if miles stellar. if miles who knows that the kamala khan he knows is no longer and then goes back to the ultimate universe and retains any of those memories might go look for her who knows man it might be I... the person to make her a hero i think yeah. that's cool that's fine um Remember, remember when Kamala Khan dies and is like, "Oh my God, I was working with Spider Man. That's crazy." Even though she's like, you know, 
That's Even right. though she knows this. You know, she knows Spider-Man. She knows who he is. <laughs> She's worked with Spider-Man before. And he knows uh, who she Peter is. Spider-Man. Like, it, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know. That issue was kind of a bummer. And I, was, I, I, I want to let him cook because, like, you because know. Because he's, he's had really good stuff. Yes. And, the, and there has to be a plan here. There has to be. So I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But, but also, I do think it was poorly handled. Very poorly handled. Poorly handled and in the story. Poorly yeah. handled in, you know, the... In the leak. The leak uh, and in publication. Publication, yeah. I think the, it's very poorly handled. I, I just... And, and I don't... Again, I, I don't want this to seem like a personal attack. But the balls on Nick Lowe yesterday. Or, or on, uh, on Wednesday when the comic <sighs> uh, dropped. To be selling it like it's the best thing that's happened to Marvel Comics. Uh huh. Uh huh. That was um. That sure was a choice. It felt like it? a lot of disrespect. The the did you read the letters page? No. The letters page for that issue just feels like like veiled disrespect like being like you know Kamal Khan's this amazing character that we all fell in love with you know and we were so excited to have her in this run but when this opportunity and this story idea came up with this opportunity at the beginning for what? of the yeah. of the story to have her have her sacrifice and have it really mean something it was an opportunity that we just couldn't pass up I was like that just feels like disrespect that, that's yeah. rude you're being rude as fuck. <laughs> because the, <laughs> not only this? that, but it's like the book didn't do anything to make us care no! about that. No, he I was never a focus of any of the stories. That she was in the book. <laughs> yeah. She was never a focus, except for having a dark web miniseries. Yeah. That's it. It's and that doesn't count. <laughs> and it's frustrating because you and I have defended this book. Yes, multiple I still times. Overall, like this series. I do too, but but this story of, yeah. has been a blemish, yeah, a very public blemish, which is a real bummer. But again, I want to let him cook. There has to be a point for this. I don't There's know, man. no way that there isn't. So Zeb Wells, don't let me down. Don't let me down. Don't I really let me down. <laughs> Zeb. Uh, <laughs> I I really yeah it's. It's frustrating because I don't know what the plan is. Like you said, I yeah. I want to trust that he does have a plan because he's a great writer. He's got to be. And I think that's something that people are missing. And I'm glad that people are bringing it up on, you know, on the socials and stuff that he is a great writer. He's a this great was writer. More, this was more likely than not, you know, an editorial decision. Yes. But yeah, it's it's hard to defend. It's really hard to defend. But what's not hard to defend is how great Miles Morales has been as a character, how much potential he has going forward. I mean, like I said, he is the character to take us, you know, above and beyond. Yeah. Where we He's are the moment. now. He is the moment. And with a video game coming up, with a movie that is sure to shake the world just as much as the first one did back in 2018, uh, the sky's more. the limit on what Miles Morales can do. And I think that when all is said and done, when the book is closed, we will look at Miles Morales as the ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah,
Ted Lasso means a lot to me as a property, as a show, as something that week to week when the show is airing, I can kind of relax. And I don't mean relax in the way of like, oh, just kicking up your feet and enjoying a good TV show, which I mean, yes, obviously we can do that too. But Ted Lasso has, for the last three seasons, been this safe place for me a place where I can be emotionally vulnerable and know that that's okay and that it won't be you know looked down on and I feel like over the years you know I've become more attuned to that as a person Um, it wasn't always you know there's a lot of programming that you have to kind of get over when it comes to masculinity and all of the things that are kind of associated with that and the idea that, you know, you can't be weak, you can't show emotion, you can't be, you know, beholden to your urges or your um, your fears and your anxieties. And over the years, I think I've become more attuned to being okay with that, being okay with accepting that I am... That, that that I struggle with things. And I remember for most of my life, I was, you know, I was around people that gave me inspiration to do things. And I know that that's a weird thing to say when you're looking at just like friendships in general, but I'm truly inspired by a lot of people and I am consistently uh, really terrible at taking any kind of you know any kind of feedback from people that is positive for me which sounds weird and I know I'm not making much sense when I'm saying it because the words sound really jumbled in my head but I inspire and I look up to a lot of people and when people tell me that it kind of short circuits me because for a large portion of my life I was kind of under the impression that if you were struggling then you couldn't be of use or of help to other people and that's something that I'm still trying to kind of work my way out of when it comes to my perspective on it. And it's something that I struggle with a lot because I, you know, I, I think I've been pretty, pretty open on the podcast about my mental health struggles and the stuff that I've gone through. And it makes it difficult when people come to me for advice because there's this part of me that has been kind of trained to say, oh, I can't give people advice because I am, you know, struggling with my own things. And Ted Lasso was one of those one of those things in my life that allowed me to kind of come to grips with the fact that everybody is useful, everybody is helpful, and everybody is of value, whether or not they are struggling. And you struggling with something doesn't devalue you, 
doesn't make you any less important or any less valuable as a person, as a human being. And so I am deeply, deeply emotionally attached to Ted Lasso as a property, to Ted Lasso as a character, and to Ted Lasso as this construction of fiction that allows me to feel like I am safe and I am okay. And so it was really harrowing for me when the speculation and the rumors started coming around that this would be Ted Lasso's final season. Because I I have gone on the record before. I am very uh, I'm very bad with endings. I don't like endings. I have a really tough time dealing with stuff like that. Uh, and so you can imagine that I was handling it really well. That uh, that Ted Lasso would be going away soon, and I I was dreading watching the series finale slash season finale we don't know if there's going to be more we don't know if the show is going to continue without ted be rebranded be renamed give us spinoffs but i came into the finale of this season with a lot of trepidation both on an emotional and on an analytical sense uh, analytically, there is a lot of loose ends that they had to tie up. There's a lot of running uh, arcs and threads going through this season and through the show as a whole that I didn't know would be wrapped up in this finale. And on an emotional level, I didn't want to say goodbye to something that made me feel safe. And so... Going into this finale, episode, what was that, 12, 13 of the show, uh, episode 12, uh, entitled So Long Farewell, I was really, I was really nervous. By the way, this is the weekly review, the segment of the show where I review something weekly. And uh, this week we are reviewing the season finale slash maybe series finale of Ted Lasso entitled so long farewell this is episode 12 of season three and i'll probably be peppering in my thoughts on the series and the season as a whole um if you want a more in-depth ted lasso you know review let me know i might uh might come back to this but i already feel like this is going to get introspective and emotional as it is so we are going to roll right on through uh, this episode saw the culmination of a lot of the uh, of the running plot threads of not just the season but the series. Uh, Ted has been dealing with a lot since he got to Richmond, and the biggest part I think that has weighed on him is being away from his son Henry. And so we got the little cliffhanger ending at the end of uh, episode eleven, Mom City, where. Every season around this time, Rebecca comes to Ted with a reveal of a secret she's had. And uh, this time, Ted had one. And so we start off this episode, uh, obviously, without it needing to be said, them having the conversation that he's going to go home. And the entire episode kind of has this, this haze, this... Uh, this dread, this existential dread of knowing that at the end of this, win, lose, or draw, Ted's leaving. 
he's leaving the club, he's leaving coaching football, and he's going to go back home, he's going to go back to the States, and he's going to be a more active parent for Henry. And so a lot of the external conflict is kind of put on the back burner where we get to see the internal conflicts take center stage, which I really think is what the third season has kind of been about. Um, The external stuff that drove a lot of season one and a little bit of season two has kind of gone by the wayside. And I think that's where a lot of people are having issues because this out of, I think all three of the seasons has gotten probably the worst critical response and people who are not enjoying it as much as the first two seasons. And that kind of baffles me, right? It's a, it's a situation where the show has evolved, obviously, from where it was. And it has become a show not just about good people doing good things, but about why those people do the things they do. About mental health, about struggles, about depression and anxiety. And all of the struggles and things that people deal with on a day-to-day basis that they don't advertise or they don't make part of their outward appearance and i think that it's frustrating in a way to see the you know people who have said you know oh ted lasso fell off or oh this isn't the show that i fell in love with or oh you know this season has been a big disappointment because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me I don't really understand the argument that the show has gone off a cliff or that the show is bad now just because they're focusing on the characters and their growth rather than, you know, who's going to win the football game. Obviously, that's a big part of the show, right? They're, they're, you know, they're part of AFC Richmond. Richmond is a football club. They're trying to win the Premier League. And that is a running theme throughout the season. But it's not at the forefront There's a reason why the results of the Premier League are left to, you know, a little bit of dialogue. They win their last game against West Ham. That's a big deal. You know, you get to triumph over Rupert. You get to show that the team has become this well-oiled machine that can win games but that's not what ted was there for and i think he set that up in the first season really really clearly he said you know i'm not it's not about the wins and losses for me it's about making sure these people are the best that they can be on and off the field and that's what the show's been about from the beginning so i don't i don't see the argument from people who are like oh you know I watch this show so that they can, you know, overcome the sports and play the sports. And I like sports. I don't want to, I don't want this to come across as like, oh, I'm anti-sports and I don't think that's what the show should be about. It's obviously a large part of the show and it has remained that throughout the series. But it also has been a show about people about how people change, about how people grow, about how people some get worse, how about how people some get better and that's what this series slash season finale is that's what ted lasso as a character is about and that's what the show has been about but we see ted kind of do this you know farewell tour with uh with the team and with you know all the people in the show who have who he's lot whose lives he's touched uh, we get this wonderful little, you know, 
taking from the uh the title of the episode so long farewell moment where the the team gets to sing so long farewell to him at their last practice and then when he you know says hey that was great they go bananas like they just won the premier league title and that's again i think that speaks to the fact that this was a show about people and not specifically about the sports because they celebrate more for this arguably more for this than they do about winning the game and potentially winning the premier league against west ham I love the characters in this show. I love the plot lines. I love the love triangles, even though it made total sense to me that Keeley wouldn't end up with either Roy or Jamie because all three of those characters have kind of grown past that. It just took the confrontation between Jamie and Roy to see that. I love how much these people grow and change and watching them become maybe not necessarily the best versions of themselves yet but better versions of themselves because it's a never-ending journey self-improvement is not a end-all be-all you get there and you're great for the rest of your life kind of deal we're all constantly improving we're all constantly getting better at being ourselves as we learn more about ourselves and so maybe the show didn't give you everything I know I've talked to some people and they've talked about how the the show didn't explicitly show certain things that were big plot lines. We didn't see Nate leave West Ham. We just saw the aftermath of him leaving West Ham. Uh, we didn't see the conversation between Ted and Rebecca. We just saw the aftermath of Ted telling her that he's going to leave. Uh, we didn't see a lot of things. We didn't, we, we didn't see the conversation between Keeley rejecting both Roy and Jamie. We didn't need to. And that's, I think, the thing that people are missing is when you have a show that is as cleverly written as this is, you can afford to leave stuff out because the act of those things is not what's important. It's about, it's about how people react to it. It's about how the characters learn from it. And so we see, you know, certain characters get wrapped up. Beard ends up staying in, uh, in the UK, gets married to Jane. Their relationship is kind of problematic, I get it. But as long as they're happy, I mean, who, 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 who are we to judge? Uh, we get to see certain characters, you know, become better. Jamie and his dad is something that I think is masterfully done when it comes to subtlety we don't need to see his dad you know checking into rehab we get to see him in it we get to see him reconnecting with jamie and that doesn't mean that their relationship is fixed but it automatically means that it's better than it was and that there's potential there you know having a tough relationship with your parent is not a we have a nice conversation and it's automatically fixed. It's a lifelong journey. It just means that you're on the journey together rather than being on separate roads. Uh, and that goes with Nate and his dad too. You know, they have this really frank conversation in an earlier episode where the two of them finally seem to see each other. 
for the first time. And I love that. Um, a, a argument that I probably had upon watching the episode for the first time and really watching the season for the first time, because I know I'm going to rewatch it, was I wish we had gotten more time with Nate to see the journey that they had. I wish that he had gotten to have a full-on conversation with Ted rather than the two of them just, you know, exchanging, I'm sorry, I know, and then kind of moving on. But at the end of the day, that's not what's important. The fact is they reconcile. The fact is Nate is back where he belongs, where he wants to be. And I, you know, I don't need it because I know what's said. I know what's being said. I think it is important that he said, you know, you have to let me say what I need to say because that was a large part of their relationship in that Nate felt undervalued and Ted didn't do a whole lot to make him feel valued in the second season at least because he was, you know, trying to put out so many other fires in other places. And so I think that shows us you know, real tangible material change. Um, I love that Trent, you know, got to finish his book. He, you know, rightfully, and I think this was more of a meta commentary as well, um, got to, you know, change the title from The Lasso Way to The Richmond Way because it was really all about them. And the story is bigger than any one person. And I think that's the main lesson that we can take from the show and from this finale. If the show does move on without Ted, we'll be okay. Because Ted completed his arc. He completed his journey. And his journey was to get back to his son. And so... I... I... I love this show. I love the episode. I thought everybody got the endings that made sense for them you know i think the argument canon has been made by people that it's too nice of a bow but maybe i just like seeing happy endings sometimes maybe i just like seeing good things happen to good people and a lot of these people are good so good things should happen to them uh do i think that that you know closes the book on them forever no I don't think so necessarily. And we've seen on Twitter that there is the possibility that the show continues. Nick Muhammad was very cheeky in reposting a picture uh, that we see at the end with Roy, Beard, and Nate in their, you know, coaches' uniforms with a little, you know, mouth zipped emoji. Uh, And I think I'd love to see what that looks like with Roy being head coach and Nate and Beard being his assistant coaches. Uh, I think there's a lot of legs that you could get out of that. But with the ending of the show, you know, Rebecca gets to re-meet the the Dutchman, which I thought was amazing. I was hoping that she was going to run into him again. And the fact that he's a pilot and that, you know, she talked about being able to go see the world. And as a pilot, like, he can take her. They can go around the world and they can learn new things and she still retains 51% of AFC Richmond so she's able to continue with her family uh, and maybe able to start a family of her own. It's, it's beautiful. And I think the biggest thing that I've seen from people is how much they don't like that the show changed from happy-go-lucky Ted to, you know, really sad, depressed Ted. And... 
that really struck a nerve with me personally. Um, because this is a show about what happens when someone is strong for everybody and how much of a toll that takes. You know, the, the first season came out right around COVID and was the show that everyone needed to have at that point. Ted took on all of our collective grief, our anxiety, our depression, and was able to, for an hour at a time, give us a place where we could feel loved, we could feel inspired, and we could feel like we could get through whatever we were going through. And as the show went on, we got to see the price of that, of being a pillar, of being a support for someone. And we saw Ted struggle. We saw him struggle with his mental health, his depression, his anxiety, his panic attacks, his loneliness. And we got to see him persevere and still provide inspiration and still provide support for other people while he was doing that. But I think what the show did most importantly was show him that he could be supported too. That he didn't have to be alone. And that's... You know, that's the fear, I think, for a lot of people who are kind of in Ted's position where, you know, maybe they're the fun one who is never, you know, having a bad time. They're the optimist. They're the part of the friend group that is always looked to for support and for positivity. And never at any point do we sit down to ask them how they are. You know, we, we get to see the toll that that takes. And I think it's a fear for people who are in that position to get the reaction that people are giving to this show. That, oh, you're not happy and quippy and memeable anymore, so we don't like you as much. And that sucks. It really, really sucks. So I'm hoping... That after seeing the thing in full, after seeing the show, after seeing Ted's journey, watching everything back, going back to the first season and seeing how much he's struggling um, to hold everything up while he's trying to convince an entire country to get behind him, um, I hope you're kinder to him through his journey of these three seasons on a rewatch. Because... I guarantee you there are people in your life that are hoping that you're as kind to them. But overall, I I love this show. I love this season. I love everything about it. Um, if I had to think of some favorite episodes, uh, you know, there was, where is it? I'm looking through the the list right now uh sunflowers episode six the amsterdam episode is a highlight for me just like the christmas episode was i believe it was last season um strings that bind us when sam's dad comes and has to deal with all of that uh is fantastic um we get to see characters i i mean i i feel like the last three episodes are some of the best episodes of the entire show. I just do. Um, the Amsterdam episode might be my favorite out of all of them, but I, man, I, I, I love this show. I love the season. I think everybody's fantastic. Um, weirdly enough, I didn't expect this, but Jamie Tart might be my favorite character in the entire show. Um, it's obviously neck and neck with him and Ted, but 
it meant a lot to see his growth. And it meant a lot, honestly, to see just as much the growth of Roy. Him at the end choosing to go to therapy. Like, I I broke down seeing him go to therapy. It was like, I don't know what it was about it, but it it hit me right where, right at home. Right where it hurts, and it sent me into a tailspin. I was sobbing for most of this episode when uh, uh, I've I've come to realize that Cat Stevens' father and son has been ruined for me forever. Because anytime I hear that song, I will think of this, and I will think of Guardians of the Galaxy two, and I will uncontrollably weep. So just be prepared for that if if ever that comes up. Uh, I I love this show. I love the season. I love these characters. I love these actors and their performances. If the show ends here, I will be okay with it. If the show continues, I will be okay with it. It gives me some manner of peace to know that I have something comfortable. But it also helps me to know that my comfort zone is a show about people growing out of their comfort zone. And it inspires me to do the same. So if this is the end, Ted Lasso, so long, farewell, I will miss you. It won't be the same without Ted, but once again, the lesson isn't that the show was Ted Lasso's way, it was the Richmond way, and we are all richer for it. But that's going to do it for the weekly review. Um, I didn't have anything planned for this week, I wasn't planning on doing a weekly review, but that uh, Ted Lasso season slash series finale uh, really touched me. And so I wanted to talk about it. Um, if you're interested in me continuing the weekly review, let me know. Feel free to reach out on the socials at the explained pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, let me know if you want the weekly review to continue uh, what you would like me to dig into that. We got a lot of shows coming up this year and a lot of things to review. So let me know. I'd love to, if you are all enjoying the weekly review, I would love to keep it going. So uh, that's going to do it for this. Let's go ahead and roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of June 7th, 2023. Uh, This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you pick up your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And honestly... It was real tough, but ultimately I settled on Doctor Strange number three. Jed McKay continues to do the best. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. Um, having a day with Dormammu is just, I I love this. It's a perfect Doctor Strange issue. Referencing the history of the character, dealing with a, you know, supernatural threat. And making it very personal and human as a as a lifeline. Uh, I just, I loved it. It's one of the best Doctor Strange stories I've ever read. It's fantastic. You should go check it out. But that's last week's books. I hope you've been enjoying the light weeks because this week we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 books. We're back into the double digits. So let's break this down. Kicking things off with... 
X-Men, Mutant First Strike Number 1. This is written by Steve Orlando with art by Valentina Pinti. And this one's interesting. Let's just dig into the synopsis because it's going to do a better job than I will of trying to explain it. Krakoa Strikes. Ever since mutants declared themselves humanity's new gods, certain circles have been waiting for the other shoe to drop. The Wrath. When a small New England town is hit by a devastating mutant attack, it seems the wrath is here, but all isn't as it appears, and Krakoa doesn't hesitate to save lives. So it's time for Bishop to lead Krakoa's biggest rescue effort yet. So yeah, it's mutants getting ready to be first responders to a natural disaster, or artificial disaster, depending on how you view mutant's powers. Uh, I'm really, really excited. This is also going to be, you know, this is part of the before the fall stuff, before we get to fall of X. I am looking forward to this. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Batman, number 136. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jorge Corona and Belen Ortega. I love seeing Belen Ortega's name on this. Very excited about this. Um, This is, you know, post-game, essentially. This is the epilogue between the fail-safe and red mask stuff and then wherever we go next. Uh, I'm excited. Chip Zdarsky seems to work really well in the in-betweens just as much as the big overarching stories. So I'm really excited to see what this concludes and what this sets up. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Dusk to Dawn, slash the plans below. Failsafe and Red Mask have forever changed Batman, and Gotham isn't as welcoming as it once was. Can Batman remind them who he is? Can he remind Catwoman? The future of the Batbook starts here, and everyone's world is about to explode. So yeah, we got the news that the Gotham War is going to be kicking off between uh, Batman and Catwoman. And I, for one, have seen enough wars in the Batman comics. But I have faith in Zdarsky to pull this off. We'll just have to see what happens. Next up, we have X-Men number 23. This is written, of course, by Jerry Duggan with art by Joshua Kassara. Uh, This is another Before the Fall. We're getting ready for the fall of the... Fall of Krakoa, Fall of X. There's a lot of plates spinning as we are quickly making our way through. And I'm really nervous to see what happens here. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The Sentinels get an upgrade. Anti-mutant fascist Fei Long has taken control of Tony Stark's businesses and devoted Iron Man's technology toward the next generation of Sentinels. These Stark Sentinels are as hard to beat as old Shellhead himself and are fully devoted to crushing the X-Men. Which is fascinating considering they've been teasing this intertwining of Emma Frost and Tony Stark. So I am real curious, real curious to see what they're going to do here. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Dark Knights of Steel number 11. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by Yasmin Putri and is the penultimate chapter in this Dark Knights of Steel saga. I've been really enjoying it. The delays have been murder. I have been just, uh, this book has taken so long to get out, but it's so good. Every issue that comes out is so fantastic that I can't be mad at it. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The Winds of War. 
The Trinity have united under a banner of hope as they go to war against the white Martian threat in this penultimate chapter. But how deep has the betrayal fractured the tentative alliance? Can bitter differences be set aside to save the planet? That is teasing some Game of Thrones level intrigue, so I'm ready to pick this up. Can't wait to read this issue. Next up, we have Daredevil number 12. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto, and we are very quickly approaching the end of the Zdarsky-Cicchetto run. I don't know how many more issues we're getting after this. I know that they're going to be doing some big last chapter starting in, I think, August. So I don't know if they're going to end this here with this issue and then move on. Uh, to another rebranding, but I mean, we're going to find out. So let's, uh, let's dig into the synopsis and see if it gives us any ideas. The Red Fist Saga, Part 12. Chip Zdarsky and Marcho Cicchetto enter the ring for a championship bout as their senses-shattering run on Daredevil reaches its most ambitious point yet. They've dragged Matt Murdock to the deepest and darkest places of his entire history, but they're about to drag him even lower. This is also Legacy issue number 660, so expect some big stuff for this. They would be ballsy as hell if they end up ending this run on Legacy issue 666. I feel like it's too juicy not to, but I I don't know. It'd be bold. It'd be bold. So we'll see. I can't. Oh, I can't wait to read this. Next up, we have Adventures of Superman, John Kent number four. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by Derek Robertson. And we are here in the Injustice verse. And John is learning all about it. I am very curious how he is going to react to everything now that he knows more about the world and more, moreover, how the world is going to react to him. Let's, let's dive into the synopsis and find out. Countdown to Injustice, Chapter 4, Heightened Doubt. The faces are familiar, but the situation is a nightmare. John Kent finds himself on an earth where his friends and loved ones are at war a place where his personal heroes fight each other for control of the world. What will he do when he discovers that this world's version of his father, Clark Kent, is on the verge of becoming a dictator? So this is very clearly set before the first game. Um, I am really curious how much influence John is going to have on the story since we know kind of the end point. Uh, but that makes stories like this really fun because you don't know how much is going to be influenced and how much recontextualizing the story is going to do for the events that follow. So I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be a great issue. Next up, we have Immortal X-Men number 12. This is written by Karen Gillan with art by Lucas Wernick. Uh, this is, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Immortal X-Men is still phenomenal. It's so good. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful story that Kieran Gillen has been crafting, and I feel like things are about to get very, very bad for the, for the Quiet Council. I don't often do, you know, previews or leaks for comic books. I try to let myself go in blind for comics, uh, especially ones that I really care about. But there have been some rumors that I have not been able to avoid, and I am very curious how those actually end up being fleshed out. So let's, uh, let's do the synopsis. A colossal mistake. The Quiet Council gathered to fill the empty seat. 
It's the last chance to make a smart, kind decision to prevent the fall. Luckily, the deciding vote is in the hands of trusty, old Colossus. Let's hope he hasn't got plans to ruin everything. That would be terrible. Oh, this, this synopsis is playing with me. It is playing with dark and terrible forces that it does not know yet how to deal with. Uh, I am, I am stoked. This is going to be great. Next up, we have Shazam, number two. This is written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora. I love that first issue. It was so good. It was freaking incredible. I loved it. So I am really stoked to see what they do with this next issue. Uh, the end of issue one gave us a, a new little wrinkle to the Shazam mythos and his place and role in his home city. So I'm excited to see the fallout from that. Let's let's dig into the synopsis. Meet the Captain, Chapter 2. Shazam versus S-H-A-Z-A-M. Billy Batson was given the powers of the gods by the wizard Shazam, but Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury never gave the wizard their permission. Displeased with how Billy is representing them, the disgruntled gods engage in a six-way fight for the sole control of the world's mightiest mortal. Or, if they get their way, the world's mightiest puppet. May the craftiest god win. God Wars! God Wars! I, I'm really stoked on this. I can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 13. This is written by the Hive Mind with art by Alina Erofiva. And we are marching towards the end of this Captain America Sentinel of Liberty run. Uh, we just got the news this past week that we know what is happening to Steve in the comics post this. Uh, he will be handed over to, I mean, J. Michael Straczynski writing with Jesus Saez on art. I love both of those creators. I think both of them have a great, great uh, grip on the character. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, one of my favorite Superman writers, even though his run is criminally underrated and didn't get as much time to cook as it should have. And Jesus Saez, I mean, what more is there to say? Beautiful, gorgeous artwork. I am very excited about this run. It makes me even more bittersweet that the Sentinel of Liberty run is ending because I know how much... Uh, Jackson and Lansing love Jackson and Lansing. Jackson and Colin love this character and how much they've loved telling the story. So I'm very sad about their run ending, but I am excited to see where the character goes next in the Straczynski run. I posited this before, and I'm going to just put this out now to see to see if this happens. I have a feeling that Cold War is going to end with Captain America more or, le or at least Steve more or less off the board. And this Straczynski run is going to take us back into the early days of Cap, giving us kind of a year one, year two style story with Jesus Saez on art, and that our modern day Cap is going to be Sam. He is the Captain America in the Avengers, and I think he's going to be Cap for a very long time. So I'm curious to see what they do with Steve, and if this uh, straczynski Saez run is going to be more of a flashback series, which I would not mind at all. I think it'd be cool to revisit some of his younger days earlier in his career. But for now, for Sentinel of Liberty, I am just enjoying the ride. So let's go ahead and dig into the synopsis. 
Cold War Part 5. Just when White Wolf thinks he's gained the upper hand, Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers rally under the banner of Captain America. Meanwhile, Black Widow and Peggy Carter clash over what it means to be a hero and whether Bucky Barnes is still someone worth saving. Battles on all sides! I'm really excited. I am, I've, again, I've talked about it before. We had Jackson and Colin on the podcast, and they were incredible. I love this run. I love this run with my whole heart, and I cannot wait to pick this up. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is The Flash number 800. This is written by Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, Cy Spurrier, Joshua Williamson, and rounding out his run, Jeremy Adams. With art by Mike Diodato Jr., Scott Collins, Carmine D. G- oh, Carmine D. Gian Domenico, Todd Nock, and Fernando Pazarin. This is being posited on the cover as a celebration of Wally West, which is amazing. I love that. This is also uh, Jeremy Adams' swan song for the run that he absolutely revolutionized. Um, Wally West was brought back in 2016. We're currently going through it in the uh, in the Geek Explained Book Club every single Friday. And when Jeremy took on the mantle of Flash Rider, Wally got the promotion back to the main Flash. And ever since then, Adams crafted a family book that is going to be hard to follow up and even harder to top. I am going to miss Jeremy Adams on this book. I'm going to miss his voice for Wally, for the kids, for, I mean, everybody, right? Everybody. Linda is an incredibly dynamic character, and I think Jeremy Adams understands that and has given that character the reverence that we've been waiting for since Wally came back and, you know, to and subsequently bringing her back as well. Um, I'm going to miss this book. I'm going to miss Jeremy Adams on it. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic for the Spurrier Diodata run, but for my money, this is going to be my Wally West run. Uh, it's up there with the Johns and Wade runs and... It is going to stand the test of time, I think, is one of the all-time Flash runs. So, thank you, Jeremy Adams, for being on this book. Let's dig into the synopsis. Don't come to Central City. Slash the Max in the Mirror. Slash Flash Flam... Flash Family. Slash Blitz Back. Slash Between Love and You. See, I'm emotional. I'm emotional. Because Jeremy's leaving, so I'm getting all tongue-tied here. So, let's, let's, let's do this. An oversized anniversary issue concludes writer Jeremy Adams' acclaimed tenure, with special guests Mark Wade, Joshua Williamson, and Jeff Johns joining the celebration. As the Adams run races to the finish line, get a prelude to the new Dawn of DC chapter of the Fastest Man Alive's adventures from the dream team of Cy Spurrier and Mike Diodato Jr. So yeah, again, this is it for the Adams run. This is also technically the beginning of the Spurrier run. Uh, I, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. But 
if you are wanting to get your Jeremy Adams fix like I am, he is over on the uh, Hal Jordan Green Lantern book. And this isn't where he finishes up with The Flash. He's going to be doing that Jay Garrick mini, which I'm very stoked about. Uh, so there is more Jeremy Adams Flash to come. But I will I will be waiting with bated breath until he gets to be uh, back in the Speed Force. And that is going to do it for this week's Comics Countdown. Again, a big one this week. A lot of heavy hitters. Uh, to recap, we've got X-Men Before the Fall, Mutant First Strike number 1, Batman number 136, X-Men 23, Dark Knights of Steel number 11, Daredevil number 12, Adventures of Superman, John Kent number 4, Immortal X-Men number 12, Shazam number 2, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 13, and The Flash number 8. Hundred. Some stories are reaching their ends. Some stories are just beginning. So make sure you hit up your local comic book shop so that you don't miss a single chapter. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast you can write literally whatever you want i will be forced to read every single word and i have been taken advantage of in the past due to this but as long as you give me those five stars the sky's the limit on what you can write and you'll be able to join the likes of our amazing Fantasy 15, including Seafire ND, Joshua Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Jug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken4656, and Director Hall. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. Seriously. I want to read some more reviews. Send your reviews in. I want to gobble them up. I want to read them out. I want to shout you out. This is a podcast by a geek for geeks and getting feedback, getting emails and getting reviews really is one of the best parts of this podcast. And I really do appreciate it. So send in your reviews. I want to read them. I would love, I would love See that we're as as we're recording here. As I'm recording here, it's the beginning of June. I would love by my birthday to have 20 reviews. I'm at 15 right now. All we need to do is five. By my birthday in mid-August, I would love to have five more reviews. So I'm gonna put that challenge out to you. And if you give me those five reviews, uh, I don't know. I'll I'll think of a prize. I'll think of a no prize or something. I'll think of something. You let me know though. Uh, if you want to be part of the Geek Explained mailbag, if you want email, if you want to send me an email, uh, want me to read it on the show, if you have a question you want answered, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you would like to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, and you'll also get first uh, updates dates and notifications when I make big announcements like our announcement for Ultimate June Vasion. Uh, follow us on the socials, Instagram and Twitter at Pod. That's at P-O-D. That will be the place to do that for as long as Twitter is around and as I continue to try to get better at Instagram. It is an ever 
ever a never-ending battle. I will continue to get better, and I will continue trying for you. Uh, finally, every single Friday is the Geek Explained Book Club, where I, alongside my co-host that you heard here today, Malcolm Russell Nelson, and our other co-host, Jacob Brown, are going through currently every single issue of every single volume of The Flash Rebirth. We kicked off Season 4, The Brave and the Bold, last Friday with our 100th book club session. It's wild! It's wild! Uh, But this week, we're going to be tackling Volume 2 of The Flash, entitled The Speed of Darkness. It's going to be Issues 9 through 13 of the Rebirth Flash run, so join us there, won't you? It is going to be a really fun time. Flash Fridays are a real thing, so join us there. Be there or be square, not a circle. I want to say a huge thank you to the Malcolm for coming on the Wednesday show. Uh, I love talking to him, as you can probably tell, and I really do appreciate him taking even more time out of his week to uh, come chat with me about a character that we both love. So that is it for part one of Ultimate Junevasion. Next week, the Fantastic conversations continue as I am joined by Owen of the Owen Likes Comics YouTube channel and of the Blackpool Comics Club to discuss the entire comic book history of Reed Richards, a.k.a. The Maker. He's going to be a big factor, almost the second protagonist of Ultimate Invasion. And so we are going to be breaking down his entire comic book history, as well as what we'd like to see him do in the Johnny Hicks and Brian Hitch event. So uh, join us next week, won't you? Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explained podcast and for Ultimate June Invasion, I have been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody stay safe, and we will see you next time. All right. I can't believe that Spider-Man 2 is both our number one. That's so wild for us. <laughs> I just, I needed to know who is the 616 Miles Morales. Morales. I just needed to know, and honestly, not disappointed. Not disappointed (laughs) at all. Ultimatum's my favorite character. Fuck, I mean, he's so good. He's He's just the best version of Miles. I wish he was Spider-Man. He's so good.